it's all about we've got a um, elephant logo um, as our kind of inspiration. Uh, the the name Batir comes from a, an elephant in Kazakhstan that could speak a bunch of phrases in Russian, and we're about giving a voice to the elephant in the room. So that's you know that's something that we can we can play around with, try to be positive and colourful and, and playful, and yeah, it seems to seems to get some um, good reactions from from young people. Hi guys. This podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being, and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective, or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow, and to understand. I do that through this podcast, as well as counseling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's gonna talk and it's gonna make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason with me podcast, episode 19. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are almost halfway through season four. Um, don't know how many more seasons I got left in me, but uh, the guests just keep on coming, which is so exciting. It means I can keep doing these uh, these podcasts and these guest interviews with them. So let's get cracking into it and introduce the guest for today. Nick Brown is the CEO at Batia. Nick has spent most of his career in not-for-profit organisations as well as in state and local governments. Working with young people in Australia and overseas has been the main focus in each of these roles. In 2015, he began work at Batir as the school program manager in the early stages of Batir's growth. After implementing processes and structures to ensure a scalable and safe rollout of Batir at school, uh, he applied the same approach to all of Batia's programs as the National Program Manager. In 2017, he moved into the role of General Manager before taking on the role of CEO in 2019, where he continues to support Batia's growth and reach towards smashing the stigma around mental health and empowering young people to create a mentally healthy Australia. Nick also believes in maintaining positivity through adversity and in values driving organisational and leadership decision-making. Nick is so down to earth as a CEO and is such a refreshing and nice insight into, um, I guess, coming through the ranks to be in into the position that you are by being face-to-face and now being some um, being a leader, I guess, in, in, in the organizations and especially in an important space like mental health and even more importantly for our young people. So here we go. Let's do it. All right, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jackson. Good to chat to you. So look, let's jump straight in, Nick. Um, tell me who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so uh, I'm Nick Brown. I'm the CEO at Batir. Uh, so we're a youth mental health organisation, all about smashing the stigma around mental health, uh, getting young people to reach out for support, trying to just change the way we talk about mental health. It's something we all have. And so um, we want to make sure that's something we can all kind of talk about much easier and understand where to get support, how to be a good mate, how to look after ourselves, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. 
And I mean, it's hard not to have, have, have known about Batia now. I think it's it's been so well um, pushed around Australia for people to get in touch, and especially our youth. It gives sort of getting more and more popular, and it's like mental health is cool now in some of the in some of our youth, which is such a good thing. And I think you guys have really paved the way for that to happen as well. Oh, thanks. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, I think um, we try to just take a bit of a different approach, mainly because of our objective. You know, we're not a um, clinical service provider. And so we're able to, um, I guess, have a broader conversation with the community and with young people around what mental health is. It's not, our conversation is not necessarily just for those that need to get professional support, um, you know, when they're, when they're feeling really down. It's about all of us kind of playing a role um, in looking after ourselves and each other and, and trying to have a preventative kind of approach to that and then pointing to services when people need to access those. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about we've got an um, elephant logo um, as our kind of inspiration. Uh, the, the name Batir comes from a, an elephant in Kazakhstan that could speak a bunch of phrases in Russian and we're about giving a voice to the elephant in the room. So that's, you know, that's something that we can, we can play around with, try to be positive and colourful and, and playful. And, yeah, it seems to, seems to get some um, good reactions from, from young people. I love that. I love that it's a Kazakhstan elephant <laughs> that could yeah. speak a few things. It's like getting it's a, a, bit a, a bit of a tough one to say. And so it's nice that you've said people, people have seen, it, seen us around. But, um, yeah, it's definitely until you kind of know who we are, I don't know many people that have nailed it on the first go. I don't even know if we say it right, to be honest. But that's <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I definitely was like, okay, you got Nick Brown coming on. You've got to figure out how the hell to say it. You did well. I've seen it for so long and I'm like, I know, I know, you know what? Whoever's listening to this podcast, I feel like questions just got answered. Like, what the hell does it mean, firstly? And how the hell do you say it? And why is it an elephant? And now yeah. in the first two minutes, you, you've answered all, all these questions. Cool. Everyone can go now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, try to, I try to get to it early because it's usually one of the, um, yeah, one of the first, <laughs> first questions. Where did it all come from? But it was actually... Um, so our founder, Seb Robertson, uh, when he was setting up Batir, um, you know, he was looking for, for something to call it and, uh, and, and felt like that was kind of good, good inspiration and, and something we could have a bit of fun with. But also, um, you know, also draws attention to the issue that we're facing around stigma um, and mental health. You know, I think we've come a long way, but still definitely a bit of an elephant in the room. Um, but it's also, you know, it's not... Um, the, the name isn't attached to uh, anything specific around mental health in terms of being the elephant. Sometimes we get confused um, with being like in elephant conservation or something, but, um, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it means, you know, we can sort of um, reach audiences that otherwise aren't engaged in mental health. It's not, um, you know, it's not something that they would associate with the mind or the brain or, or mental health, like a lot of other kind of mental health um, uh, organizations would would align their their names too and so um yeah. yeah i think it's worked i think it's worked well yeah and and i and i stalked your linkedin pretty well you've you've sort of <laughs> your your own story you've sort of climbed um through as it as it's developed as well can you tell me tell us a little bit about i guess your journey through through Batir. yeah yeah i mean back before i started Batir, most of the work that i've been doing was with young people i was running school camps and holiday camps and did some work over in nauru um, in offshore processing centers over there uh, that was a that was a sort of a recreation support 
um, worker role. And so that was a bit of a mix between my passion for, for welfare and caring for people and sport. Um, and, and I love that. It was a really hard, hard sort of environment to yeah. be in and for the people that were over there in that environment. But, you know, I, I, got, I was lucky enough to be in a role that provided some respite um, and saw the impact that had on their, their mental health. So mm. when I started at Batir, I was looking after the school programs um, and there was probably only six of us in terms of permanent staff at the organisation. Um, and then, yeah, as we've grown, um, I've, I've sort of just tried to, to challenge myself, but also try and push the organisation forward with everyone else there. Um, and, and as yeah, the needs have kind of come up, I've stepped into different roles. So I was the national programs manager for a while and then general manager before um, jumping into this role in, in October. So I've been at Batir for about five and a half years now. Um, and there's about 50 permanent staff now. We've got about 170 or so um, speakers that share their stories at our programs and 20 or so casual facilitators that deliver all of the content. So it's, yeah, it's turned into a bit of a, bit more of a beast now. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's so cool. And uh, I think I love that. And I think the, the nice part, I mean, I had um, Kathy Kesselman um, from Blue Knot Foundation on a that launched, I think, last week. Um, but I like the type of CEO or, or founder or whatever that sort of can say that they've done a lot of a lot of the work as well, and and have been right up in it and right 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 next to it as well, and seeing what's happening. And think the fact that you were running the programs, but then on top of that, being it somewhere as as hectic as a Nauru, um, you know, that, I think that brings such a different perspective to what a, a lot of other potential CEOs who don't have that face-to-face contact uh, can bring. So I guess on that, Nick, like where, where do you pull your strength to, to do that sort of stuff? Like where do you to continue to do the work that you do and, and provide, I imagine, quite a lot of guidance and support and leadership to, to everybody around you? Yeah, I mean, um, it's through doing that, I think. It's through uh, those times. So I still try and... Um, like I'll go and facilitate, we do a being heard uh, program, which is training people to share their experiences around mental health. Um, hmm. And I'll, I'll try and facilitate one or two of those a year. Um, still, even though I don't get the chance to kind of get in and do that, I'll still go and see programs or um, be involved in delivering some of the content here and there. And I think, um, and, and, you know, being a s- smaller sort of team and, and in the office, you know, our facilitators and speakers will come through and, and we, um, you know, get around them as they head off to programs. And I think all of that kind of connecting to what we do, speaking to people, like staying in touch with young people is what I, I love. And so, t- to be honest, like moving into the CEO roles in, in some ways didn't nece- doesn't necessarily feel like, um, you know, the natural role for me I love it now and I feel like I'm finding my feet and um and and kind of leaning into what how I need to be spending my time um but yeah I think I'll always want to kind of make sure that I'm chatting to the team staying really close to them and their their what's going on for them in terms of delivering the programs or in terms of just their day-to-day job and then also out at programs you know seeing um, school and university students hearing people share their stories. Like every time I hear someone share their experience at one of our speakers, it's just, um, it blows my mind, you know, like they, these are, these are young people that are, um, 
you know, have gone through tough stuff and are willing to stand in front of 150 year nine students and share some of the, you know, toughest times of their lives just so that other people are better equipped to navigate those times. And, um, you know, I've just got a huge amount of respect for that. And so anytime I get an opportunity to um, hear those experiences, it just drives me. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it sort of shines through in the way that you even just communicate about it. Like it's obviously that, you know, I think you said you have a passion for welfare, but then I guess seeing it in action and seeing it in its vulnerability as well is, is pretty powerful. So I guess that, that sort of leans into really the crux of what I wanted to talk to you about, Nick, is, is if you, you were to sort of reason with me, how do these programs bring us such connection, mental health and well-being within the community? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Cause we take a little bit of a different approach, I think. Um, but it's all about the stories. It's all about the stories and it's all about um, meeting people where they're at and having a conversation with them on their level. And I think, you know, that kind of sounds cliche, but when, if I can try and break it down, I think, I think it makes a bit more sense. So the, the speaker side of it um, is there's uh, some research that was done in the States around the best way to reduce stigma um, we know that stigma is a barrier to help seeking only about 20% of people that need to access support are getting the support that they need. So it's a huge amount of people not getting support. And we know that stigma is a major barrier to that. And so, um, there's some the research around the importance of sharing lived experience. Um, so if we can get, uh, and there's some elements to it that need to happen around the person being, um, credible, relatable, um, you know, from a similar area, the relatability piece is really important. So when we go into a high school, we try and find young people to share their stories that are best going to relate to that cohort. Mm. Um, and so it's just, you know, someone like them speaking to them about real life stuff and, um, and, it, and it hits home, you know, it creates empathy, it creates understanding, it gives people permission to, to reach out for support themselves. It makes people realise that they're not alone um, it's just an amazing that vulnerability and authenticity is just an amazing tool to um, open up um, other people's potential to, to do the same. Mm. And then the other piece that we put alongside that is um, our facilitators who are also relatable to the um, to the groups that we're speaking to, and and it's more about a conversation. So we try and change up the way that we're delivering the content. So it's not like a lesson um, or a lecture. Um, and it's more of just a conversation about um, in a, how you talk about so many other topics. So instead of it always feeling like um, a topic that, that is um, really serious and, um, and it's all about kind of learning all of these different things and um, complicated, we just try and simplify it all and just have a conversation. And, um, and that seems to really, really cut through, particularly with, um, with, with young people. So, uh, yeah, I think those two elements are really are really critical. I love the, I love, it's one of my favorite phrases is, is permission, you know, and you, you mentioned that it's you're giving people permission to be able to go and step into that for themselves. If that's what they're willing to do and sort of face that I'm not alone or face that, Oh, I can actually do something about this. And I think that, that you're creating like in such an empowering way. And that, and that brings people together at the end of the day. And, and, yeah, I guess so. So, what have been some of the like results? I mean, you know, you running the programs, you'd be hearing an employee debriefing with a lot of um, the facilitators and and presenters about what happens after these talks. 
Yeah. So there's a couple of things that we, we, we try to measure and we do um, uh, sort of internal evaluation. So after every program, we, we run a survey. Um, there's a few different things that we're looking at, um, but two of the big ones are around engagement. Um, so did, were the students engaged in this conversation? Um, and we have a benchmark for what we want to hit there. And the reason that that's important to us is because uh, part of our objective, again, is for us to feel like we're reducing stigma and to be cutting through to this cohort. They need to enjoy it and they need to feel like they're into it. And so um, that's a really important one. And then attitudes towards help seeking is the other one that we measure. Mm. So um, would you be more likely to seek help after seeing this program? Um, and we see some we see around 75% of people say yes and pretty much everyone else says maybe. Um, very rarely we see um, people saying that, they, that they're not more likely. So, um, you know, that's a really encouraging one for us when we know that the kind of national help-seeking rates at about 20, 25%. Um, and so, that, you know, there's, we're seeing some really good results around um, yeah, attitudes or intentions to, to seek help. Um, and then we've done some other research projects, you know, um, randomised controlled trials with pre, post and follow up that maintain some results around um, reduction in stigma and, um, and attitudes towards help seeking. But the, the other, we did some interesting um, research last year uh, with a group of young people that have had experiences of mental ill health to try and identify shared themes and experiences. So we, um, we looked at 83 stories to find um, shared themes and stories. And some of the stuff that we saw through that research project was, um, was really interesting around um, what, what was it that changed the way young people um, access support or what did they reflect on as the things that were so important in their journey. Um, and, and one of those things that stood out to me was around um, this idea of an anchor person or um, someone that was there for them through the ups and downs. And I think it's such an important um, message because so many of us feel like if someone reaches out to us, we don't know what we can do. Um, we don't know. We're not necessarily a professional or we don't know um, how to help them, but, um, or when, or we feel like we're not helping them. And, uh, and we found through this research that actually those people um, are so critical because at, at some point um, when the person is ready, um, they look back and feel like that was just a, a rock that um, was able to help them through through that journey. So we're, we're trying to do a bit of um, a bit of that kind of thing where we can look at uh, actually what young people are saying about accessing support and, and, um, and mental health and, and share some of those learnings along with how, how we can use it to sort of um, improve and, and inform the way that we do our programs. Hmm. And, and I mean, I think I've been reading that you guys have, and it's some of the fundraising and stuff you've been doing, it's been, it's been global. Um, there's been a lot of lot of reach um, that you guys have been able to do through Instagram and stuff like that. That's actually having a big impact globally, um, which is huge. Like that's that's so awesome. And and um, but just in terms of Australia, like you guys are going to schools nationwide. Yeah. So uh, up and down the east coast, pretty much. So we're we're not in Tassie, WA, or Northern Territory yet. Although we're now doing. Um, online programs because of everything that's been going on. The team have done an awesome job to just shift and work out how we can engage young people online, which is new to us, but, um, 
but obviously we have that kind of background in creating engaging content for young people and seen some really good results from that. So um, can actually access a lot of those other states now, but we've got people on the ground in, yeah, in, every, in every, other, um, every other state. But yeah, the global stuff's been really exciting. I mean, um, we, there's a lot of work to be done in Australia and so there's not an intention for us to kind of feel like we, we, we need to go and, and take over the world with our programs, but um, there's something unique that we do that is work that we want to share globally. And, um, and there's lots for us to learn globally. You know, there's so much for us to learn from um, Australia and experts and researchers and academics and other organizations doing great work here in Australia. Mm. Um, but if we're really going to sort of shift the dial then we need to just open up what's available to young people, what working around the world, what's not working, um, how can sharing stories help? How can we get the diverse as possible range of stories to share, um, to, to learn from? And so, yeah, we'll probably lean into that a little bit more and do, um, do more uh, with some partners in, in other countries. We've you know, done some work with Jack.org in Canada and um, mm. Kelly Group in Hong Kong and, um, wow. and Student Minds in the UK. So there's some, yeah, some really cool, cool stuff that we've, um, we've done over the years and yeah, keen to do a little bit more of that as we go. Yeah, I think the 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 sky's the limit for for this sort of stuff because at the you know at the end of the day, I mean, I work with I work with a lot of adults, but I work with a lot of children. And by the time I work with you know, I guess I'd work with a more traumatized percentage of the population. And by the time they get to to me, there's there's so many things that that I guess didn't happen for them when they were younger, and they didn't have the opportunities, they didn't have the abilities. Um, or for whatever reason, their trauma prevented, you know, access to stuff. And the work is with our young people, you know, we, mm. need, to be, we need to be focusing purely on getting, getting that education up and running by itself, not just to help those that are in need, but to, like you're saying, educate everybody else to then stand together to help those that are in need. Mm. And you guys yeah, for sure. And, and, and like you said, you know, to learn how to look after ourselves as well, I think, you know, it's um, one thing is, is uh, you know, being there for, for each other. But one thing, you know, the other, the other is learning those skills that we can, which, you know, you, you'd be a huge part of in people's lives. Um, you know, people like yourself, um, those support networks that are available for young people are just so critical and um and you know they're so grateful for i think you know one thing to say around that accessing support though is that it's not it doesn't always happen the first go i think i'm sure you've you've found i'll be interested to know you know if there's those times that um that you know it's, there's just not quite that connection and someone needs to go find someone else or has come to you after not finding yeah. the right fit i think that's a really important thing for for us to encourage as well that um if you if you reach out for support you don't quite find that it's the right thing for you that that doesn't mean it's the end of the opportunity to get support i don't know have you have you seen that happen i mean i'm hoping that i'm not that person <laughs> like the next person's going oh i had this terrible counselor last time but it's not always a bad it's not, not necessarily always like a bad experience oh. you know it's just that connection yeah but yeah i think i mean that that's definitely something that a lot of people come in and it prevented them for many years to come back and i think that yeah. I mean, what I always say is, is you're about to pay money to go and see if you can get help just like you would to all of your physical health. So, um, you know, if that's the case, cool, 
call them before, yeah. you know, try and find out, am I actually going to get along with these people? Because at the end of the day, I don't get along with every single person on the planet. So if I'm going to start telling and being vulnerable with this person, I need to figure out if they're going to be right for me. So, you know, most oh. counselors I would hope are open to that sort of thing to be able to have a chat to see if they tick some of the boxes and feel a little bit comfortable before they even go into session. Yeah. Um, and that, and that at the end of the day, I think so important to be able to know that there are, a lot of access out there for you to return back and sort of say, this is what to be my experience. Can you help me not make that the same? And like, unless you tell me, uh, you know, maybe I won't be able to know how, how I'm going to best support you. So I think that's, that's a an, an really important message as well to be able to share. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the beauty of, of you guys program is, is that, it's making kids talk about stuff once you've left. And I mean, that, that stuff's a bit harder to measure, but mm. you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's really important that, that there's that happening. Like when, as soon as it, that's done, you know, it's sort of like, you know, Robin, Robin Williams sort of dying in the, um, by suicide, you know, but start created the massive, um, you know, outcry of all this people talking about it. But now we've got things like that have come off the back of a lot of different, I guess, outcries of, of media that are now actually creating it in a much positive way, a much more common um, stance. And, and I guess, especially in the rural, rural communities as well, you guys are doing quite a lot into rural, rural schools. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've done it. You've, you've been looking, you've been keeping an eye on us, haven't you? <laughs> most research i've done for a guest to be honest <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. um yeah yeah we ha we have i mean i'm from um mid north coast of new south wales so it's personally like a big passion of mine to um support regional communities i think um sometimes just the nature of, of being um you know in areas with smaller populations or less services um or uh different kind of industries like all of that you know, impacts um, our mental health. And, you know, when I grew up, the way that I spoke about mental health is very different to what I've learned and how I, how I speak about it now. So, yeah, it's personally a passion of mine, but um, it's been a big focus of, of the tears pretty much from from the start. So early days, um, Cobar, which is a, a small community um, out in uh, far west New South Wales, uh, a couple of the community members there reached out to, to Batir after a number of suicides and asked, you know, if there was some stuff that we could do. And our, like I said, our focus isn't around um, the, the clinical service end. And so we went out there and, and ran a forum to kind of better understand if, if there was a role we could play. And we've mm. been working in, in the school out there for a while now, I've done some stuff with the businesses and the local mines. And, um, and that's just been awesome for us to, to learn that, how passionate um, communities are in doing something about it and often just need um, some ideas or a platform to um, really get around each other and support each other and know that there is stuff that individuals can do in those communities. So similar thing in Tamworth. Um, and then more recently, more recently we've been doing tours with um, New South Wales rugby uh, delivering mental health advocacy training with rugby clubs um, alongside the, the Waratahs um, and the Positive Rugby Foundation d doing, um, you know, physical wellness and, and um, rugby skills training. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's been a really cool partnership to, to be a way to uh, access 
um, you know, re regional communities. And then, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of other awesome communities been working with like at, at Orange um, and, and a few others around the place. So good. So I guess that, that a question that comes up for me, is it, is it about the communities, you know, having this advocacy and then reaching out to your sort of service and that, and, and that's how it works. And, and then you go, yep, we can do that. We'll come over. Or is it, does it work in the other way around? Like you, you sort of identifying which, which schools are in which regions and then sort of going in and offering, how does it work in that way? Or is it a bit of both? Yeah, a bit of both, bit of both. Um, in terms of regional communities, I think something that's really important is, um, not going in thinking we have all the answers so it's so um often in in those communities it's more um people coming to us to us and then uh and if if we can find the, the resourcing or funding um or if the community sort of does some fundraising or whatever we'll go and we'll go and do some work with them and work out where or how we can help um but we also do a lot of calling of schools and just checking in to see if there's um, stuff we can do with them around the country as well so uh it's a bit of both sometimes um you know we've done a little bit with the government now um they'll identify kind of risk areas so we're doing some work in um, really drought affected communities uh, at the moment um, with the New South Wales government and and so um, you know sometimes they'll, they'll flag some regions that they um, would like some extra support in and so then we'll we'll work with those communities and those schools as well so yeah it's a, it's a little bit of a, a mix that's amazing though I think they especially you know getting getting some government support and I guess some government you know it's sort of they're raising their awareness by watching what, what you guys have been able to create and other organisations in Australia have been able to produce to say, we need to latch onto this and, you know, and help help out and we'll sort of work together, um, which, you know, is only going to bring us more positive results, which is great. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to take, you know, everyone. I think it's been good to see government at state and federal levels um, focus more on mental health. There's always more to be done, but I mean, it's, I think we kind of need to sometimes stop and reflect on how far things have come and, and the focus that that's now being given. And so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about community, we've talked about schools, we've talked about government, we've talked about organizations like ours and we're not the only one. We've talked about service providers. There's a lot of moving pieces all with a really important role to play. And I think um, everyone coming together and working out how we can do things together and better communicate how we're all um, trying to, solve the same problem is really the kind of the best way forward. 100%. I think, you know, I think at the start of this, I'm like, I'm going to run out of guests. And then I go, there's just yeah, no. so many services now. And there's, yeah. um, you know, so many people, you know, working, working for, yeah, there's a similar goal with different, um, I guess, networks of, of people and different types mm. of community. But yeah, there it's endless now, which is which is so great. And I think you're so right. You know, I think we do spend a lot of time on what, what's left to do, um, which there is a lot, but we've come a very, very, very long way in terms of mm. our awareness, our community's understanding, and just people getting well as well. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Nick, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are the CEO though. You probably have other things to do. Um, <laughs> no, dude, I love it. It's been good. <laughs> The wind down a little bit. I ask everybody this question: um, what, what works for you? What, what, what is non-negotiable in terms of your self-care? Like how how do you fill your cup back up? Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard. I, you know, I get this question a lot, and it's hard not to go to 
the classic answers. But in saying that, I think they're classic answers for a reason. Yep. Um, and so uh, I live on eastern suburbs of Sydney, which, you know, I'm really, um, really lucky to be near the beach. I've always grown up on the beach. So that's a really important thing to me. I think I've realised in different places that I've lived, um, being near water for some reason is just calming for me. And so mm. I, I run along the headlands um, at the beach or whether it's a river or a harbour or a dam or a lake or whatever, wherever I am, I'm kind of trying to just look for some water. Um, and that, that, some, that for some reason uh, uh, really helps uh, accompanied with exercise. So whether I'm just sitting there and watching the water quietly or listening to music um, or going for a run alongside it or a walk, um, that's a really, uh, really important one for me. And then chilling in front of the TV. I mean, my, my role at the moment um, is, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, I feel like I'm making a lot of decisions all of the time and um, and like can, trying to consider a lot of people's thoughts and feelings and, um, and, and trying to take the organisation in the right direction and trying to impact um, people in, in a positive way. And so... Um, sometimes I just need to switch off and turn in some rubbish television show yeah. on laying on the couch is actually another really good one for me. Just try and not do too much of it, but, but I like it. So, yeah, I mean, probably leads into my next question, but you know, the books that I like to read are all about trauma and counseling and that's not really self-care because it's still work. So yeah, I, I agree. I'd love the bit of the downtime and there is something about the ocean. That's definitely one of mine too. Yeah. Just being, being with it. For those watching the video, you have the coolest, is it a koala chucking up in chuckers <laughs> with the surfboard? That's Kenny. Yeah. It's Mulga, <laughs> um, it's a Mulga artwork. I don't know if you know Mulga, but he's uh, does some good stuff. So you can check him out. But yeah, it's uh, Kenny the koala, the surfer. And so do you, do you surf as well, Nick? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Grew up, grew up surfing, grew up by the beach. So um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a really, and it's another one that I kind of love to do, just get out in the ocean and, um, and, and get, a, get a couple of waves. It's a bit more hectic in Sydney, though. I'm not as used to it as is up the coast. You know, you're out there with five or so blokes when you're up the coast or, or women or whoever it might be. But here in Sydney, it's just like thousands of people. So it's a bit more of a, um, <laughs> you've got to fight for it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's a bit of a fight for the, for the waves and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. So tell me, what would a go-to book be for you, do you think, Nick? And that, obviously that can be something that's been inspirational for you, something that's sort of, um, I don't know, guided some of the work that you do or just something that's empowering for others. Yeah. Um, so... I've re I read somewhere that uh, really good CEOs read something like 52 books a year or I more. Thought, I thought um, yeah. And uh, I, I, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not much of a, a reader. So I'll read, um, I mix it up between fiction and nonfiction, but really what I've been doing is audio books and podcasts. So I love this sort of, stuff um because it means i can be out on a walk or a run and just listening to podcasts so there's been a few that i've um that i really enjoy so a couple of the ones around um startups and driving kind of innovation and growth um is something that really excites me and, and i find interesting um for some reason it we don't see it as much in the not-for-profit sector and it's something that you know i think we could do more of as a as a sector um, it's more and more of a conversation, but um, I think I think more could be done um, around that. So that that sort of uh, stuff is 
is really interesting to me. And then just people that I really respect um, on podcasts that I, that I just um, love to listen to and learn from. Brene Brown's recently done a, um, released a, a new podcast and I've been listening to, to some of that recently. Um, so yeah, I'd probably lean more towards audio books and podcasts than reading, but I try and do a bit of reading because I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's a, it's a good thing to, to, to get into. I've just never been much of a reader. You meant meant to doing fifty two one a week, I know. know. An ebook and a podcast, surely got to start to count. That you know, count? Twenty twenty. It's got to, That's got to count. Surely, 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 I'll get a few books in there amongst the audio books and podcasts. Well, I mean, in terms of CEOs, you you you've done surely you've done way more than fifty two podcasts. So you know, yeah, you're pretty good. Exactly, I'm well above you, you know your Steve Jobs or whoever oh. it might. That's it. Yeah, well done. Very funny. So, um, what's what's going on for about shit? (laughs) 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 What's going on for Batir at the moment? And it's actually there's so much, but um, yeah, what 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 I guess what's some of the some of the things? Yeah, um, I guess the big one for us is uh, we've been reflecting on so we. I mean, this year is a bit of a different one, but it is across the board. So we can just kind of, we're doing what we can to have an impact, to reach young people um, in new and, and different ways. And we've learned a lot about it. Some of it will keep um, as, as things start yeah. to unwind and some of it, um, you know, was, was serving us for this period. Um, but, you know, normally, or last year we reached 50,000 young people through our programs. And so um, we'll continue to, to do that, adapt and change the way that we deliver our program to have the most amount of impact um, possible. We'll continue to train people to share their experiences and provide opportunities for them to, to share their, um, their insights and to share their stories on, on different platforms, whether that's in our programs or, or elsewhere. But something we've been reflecting on is um, the role that we can play in um, learning from that mass diverse group of young people that we work from work with every year so we're going to be building out a bit of a um ability to better capture insights and information from young people um get their thoughts on on things when it comes to mental health and services um and and um create ways to share that with policymakers, service providers um researchers whoever it might be that's interested um in hearing from these young people because we have this unique um platform to be in front of that many young people and we just want to better give them a platform to kind of amplify those those voices and amplify those experiences so we're working on that now building out that capacity and function for us to do more of that work within the organization and that'll be be a big focus for us um moving forward i think you're so right you guys are so unique and you know whatever you're doing is working i think the you know, you're targeting young people and, and I think now it's just the social media and, and I guess just with even COVID and people being a lot more tech savvy is, you know, that, that's where we're, we're finding people are getting the most information from and, and you guys are really doing that really well. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put a couple of those links on, on my website as well um, for anyone that's interested that wants to check that out. And I think um, there's a couple of pro- fundraisers that you're running as well. So... Yeah, and I really need to get one of those jumpers. That looks really comfy. <laughs> yeah, a couple of you have said that. I think only the the staff have got these at the moment, but we might have to um, pop a few on the website. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that'd be good. I definitely, I'm getting a collection of, of all the non-for-profits that I, that I talk to <laughs> so I can have yeah, one fine. for everything. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, oh. All right, man. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on the podcast. And yeah, I'm so keen to see what you guys keep coming up with. And yeah, just a big, big thanks to, for spending this time with me, Nick. No, same to you, mate. And keep up the keep up the good work. Um, it's important conversations to be having and uh, making the most of a tough time, um, reaching reaching lots of people. So, yeah, no, good on you. It's been good to good to chat. Thanks, Nick. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page.